I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, the fall television season is starting to warm up. We will tell you which shows are set to debut over the next week. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. The Emmys are this weekend. Do we care? Maybe a little. And a pair of big movies come home. First, it's the news... From the couch... I know what she must be going through because my dad died about two years ago. Huh. What, what was that? What should I have said? I'm sorry to hear that. With all due respect, don't you think the sorry window is closed on that? The sorry window? I didn't know there was a sorry window. Two years? You're still getting sorries? I don't think so. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, only a dead parent. <laughs> It's been six long years since we've seen Larry David ruining the days of everyone around him, but he'll be back soon. The trailer for the ninth season of the HBO comedy Curb Your Enthusiasm was released this week, and it's classic Larry. You're devoid of anything that's remotely caring or empathetic. Shut up. That is a great compliment. You don't come to work for two days? Because you were constipated? Yeah, luckily it was only two days. People do things constipated. Come on, I shot a porno constipated. I ran a 5K marathon constipated. I was in a hot dog eating contest constipated. And I still f***ing won. (laughs) And of course, wherever Larry goes, people want him to leave. I'd like you to leave, Larry. Out. I want you to go out of my house. Thank you for leaving! If I see you on my bus again, I'm going to f*** you up. Larry, Leon, Jeff, Susie, Funkhauser, Lewis, and the whole gang return on HBO October 1st. Hey, I can't look at this. Two people aren't allowed to be happy? Well, you're allowed to be happy, but not in front of me, so... Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. And winter is coming. Winter is coming. Tis a bit nippy. In case you are suffering from Game of Thrones withdrawal, the Couch Potatoes are here to help. Or maybe you don't watch Game of Thrones. Well, you should. HBO is planning to shoot multiple endings for the series finale. If we don't put aside our enmities and band together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. Why are they shooting multiple endings? Well, it's to protect against spoilers. For example, in the HBO smash hit's recent seventh season, there were spoilers plenty thanks to hackers and leaked footage. I mean, I personally fell victim to such spoilers just on YouTube. I was just browsing through my homepage, and I found something I didn't want to find, and I was not happy. Kind of like the Queen of Thorns. You're not in your sanctuary now, my dear. All I have to do is whistle and my men will stroll in here and bash you about until I tell them to stop. If I tell them to stop, you could use a good bashing. Grandmother, please. I miss her. Furthermore, when you think back to the ending of season five, a certain character was killed. Battles have been won against greater odds. Yet the actor was spotted just a month later in Belfast, where the show is partially filmed, so we all knew he was coming back. But still, it was pretty obvious when he was spotted. There is only one war that matters, and it is here. 
It's the war against spoilers. So HBO president of original programming Casey Bloys says, quote, I know in Game of Thrones, the ending, they're going to shoot multiple versions so that nobody really knows what happens. There's no real definitive answer until the end. And now it begins. No. Now it ends. Seinfeld did the same thing with their finale. They shot two endings to that. Really? Yep, because they had so many uh, special guest stars on it, a courtroom full of people, yep. and they shot two different, you're guilty, you're innocent, and that way no one could blather anything because nobody knew which one they were going to air. Oh, wow, look at that. Way to go, Seinfeld. Ahead of the curve on the spoiler alert. In the meantime, Season 7 for Game of Thrones wrapped up August 27th. Production on the 8th and final season set to begin in October, and it's going to take a few months. So even though the final season will only be six episodes, it's going to be so heavy on the visual effects, which means we might not see the final season until 2019. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. Your power's a weak old man. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And a quick follow-up to the Star Wars drama we told you about last week. A new director has now been picked to make Episode 9, following the sacking of Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow. And it's a familiar name, J.J. Abrams, director of The Force Awakens and creator of most of the good sci-fi TV shows of the past 15 years, will write and direct Episode 9. Now, because some work had undoubtedly already been done on the movie before the director switch, they'll probably have to redo some pre-production stuff, so they're pushing back the release date. No point in rushing something just to meet an arbitrary date. It was supposed to hit theaters May 2019. Now, Episode 9 will be released December 2019. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. More news from the couch up next, including the latest from Disney Pixar. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes, having a look at the news from The Couch. (laughs) (laughs) It's you. You're going to get me in trouble, Dante. Someone could hear me. I wish someone wanted to hear me. Other than you. That is from the brand new trailer for Disney Pixar's next film, its first film to feature an all-Latino cast. It's called Coco. I know I'm not supposed to love music. No music. No music. (laughs) But my great-grandma Coco's father was the greatest musician of all time. Papa... Ernesto de la Cruz. One day, he left with his guitar and never returned. No, my family thinks music is a curse. Great-great-grandfather, none of them understand me. I'm supposed to play music. Coco is about a young, aspiring musician named Miguel. He wants to be like his great-grandfather, as you just heard. And after visiting what looks like his great-grandfather's tomb and playing his guitar... On Dia de los Muertos, no less, i.e. Day of the Dead, he ends up somewhere else. All right, who's in there? I'm sorry. What's going on? I'm just dreaming. Do you mind? 
Welcome to the land of the dead. That's right, he has gone to the land of the dead. Doctor, clean up! You gotta stay with me, boy. This isn't a dream, then. You're all really out there. Agents at the Department of Family Reunions are available to assist you. Please be on the lookout for a living boy. Miguel, you're here. We're your family, mijo. The dog likes the land of the dead because everyone is a, is a skeleton. So, you know, dogs and bones and stuff. So they look like skeletons, much like you would see on the Mexican holiday, Day of the Dead. The land of the dead, kind of like the land of the living. Everyone still works the same jobs they used to, but now they're dead. But Miguel is still alive, along with his dog, Dante. And there's a big problem. We gotta find my great grandpa. You gotta do it by sunrise. What happens at sunrise? You'll be stuck here forever. What? Ugh. As with all Disney Pixar movies, this looks incredibly imaginative, jam-packed with colorful details. The voice cast includes Gael Garcia Bernal, Benjamin Bratt, Edward James Olmos, Gabriel Iglesias, and Cheech Marin, just to name a few. Coco opens November 22nd. That's you! I am terribly allergic. But Dante doesn't have any hair. And I don't have a nose. And yet, here we are. The cause of all the catastrophes we are seeing today is overpopulation. We are proud to unveil the only practical remedy to humanity's gravest problem. Are you ready, Doctor? Yes, I'm ready. That is wild, isn't it? It's just wild. That's from the trailer for the new Matt Damon movie, Downsizing. Now, what happened there in the clip was the world's leading scientists revealed that they figured out how to shrink people down to one inch. And they're encouraging everyone to do it to save the planet. A soccer field to you and me could fit a whole country of people. A city would be as big as the universe. So little communities encased in glass are created and the general public can downsize themselves and live a life of luxury for the price of a few little models. Jason Sudeikis did it. Downsizing takes the pressure right off. Plus, you're really making a difference. You mean all that crap about saving the planet? Yeah. Downsizing is about saving yourself. We live like kings. Got the best houses, best restaurants, Cheesecake Factory. Got three of them. So Matt Damon and his wife, Kristen Wiig, decided to give it a shot. In Leisureland, your $52,000 translates to $12.5 million to live on for life. Wow. Do you understand that you will undergo the permanent and irreversible medical procedure commonly known as downsizing? and that your bodies will be approximately 0.0364% of their current mass and volume. Nervous? Uh, little. Now, the thing about the movie is, while its premise is obviously the stuff of science fiction, it's directed by Alexander Payne, so it's going to be more of a whimsical character story than anything else. He's the Oscar-winning writer and director of who made uh, The Descendants with George Clooney, Sideways, Nebraska, Election, and About Schmidt, all just terrific movies. So while the premise of Downsizing looks pretty wild, and it is sure to have its moments in that regard, I'm sure it'll be more about regular Joe Matt Damon trying to figure out his life and how he fits into the world. Downsizing comes out this Christmas. The smart world is filled with things to see. Sometimes you think we're in the normal world. And something happens. Oh my God. And you realize we're not. 
And a full trailer was released this week for the upcoming James Franco Curiosity, The Disaster Artist, a movie about the making of legendary bad movie, The Room. Los Angeles, everybody wants to be star. You have to be the best and never give up. When I get up on stage in front of people, all I can think about is, what if they laugh at me? But you, man, you're fearless. I want to feel that too. I don't care. I'll do it. Franco plays Tommy Wiseau, the real-life man who wrote, directed, and starred in The Room, a cult classic that many agree is the worst movie of all time. In real life, Wiseau had Greg to help him along. He's played in the movie by Franco's real-life brother Dave, a.k.a. Cole Fusion, yeah! alias the couch potatoes will never tire of. This town, Greg. They don't want me. Wish we could just make our own movie. That great idea. So there's this guy, Johnny, a true American hero to be played by me. He has it all. Good luck, many friends. And also, maybe Johnny is vampire. We'll see. This set of the alleyway looks exactly like the real alleyway. That's right. Well, why don't we just shoot in the real alleyway? Because it's a real Hollywood movie. No, yeah, sounds good. Okay. So the movie is a comedy about how this lunatic Tommy Wiseau made his crazy movie. If you've never seen The Room, check out some clips on YouTube to see how bad it is. The flower shop scene is a pretty good starting point. And if you have seen The Room, get set for The Disaster Artist. It's been getting great buzz on the festival circus. It'll be released December 8th. Action! I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. What the f- it doesn't work if you're looking at the camera! That is the news from the couch. Did, uh, wasn't there, a, I remember you doing a story on this guy last year or something. Did they make a, a sequel or did he make another movie or something, Tommy Wiseau? That's a good question. I think he was trying to make another movie. I honestly can't remember. I'll check it out at the break. I'll see if he's done anything else. Because <laughs> I he know. He has been cashing checks on this movie ever since it came out and it's been over 10 years at this point, I think. So Really? Yeah. But it's still, they get do midnight screenings and all sorts of fun stuff with it all the time. So, so it's a... Like it's celebrated for oh, the yeah. fact that it's terrible. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a it's got a giant following. Wow, this disaster artist movie is going to be a minor hit, I think. Oh, just yeah. based on that. So well, especially and uh, since you're right, it it has been getting uh, some buzz on the festival circuit. <laughs> I've seen pictures of the Franco brothers uh, doing portrait shots at the yeah. Toronto f- festival. Yeah. So and this Tommy Wiseau's been showing up. He likes the movie. Really? Yeah. Well, he's one of these guys that uh, he sort of likes any attention thrown his way at all. Okay. And this is about to be another giant batch of attention he's going to get. Yeah. This may end up actually giving him the the most mainstream attention. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a whole new audience for his old movie. That's true. Okay. The Disaster Artist. Look for that. Uh, Hey, let's talk about what is coming to home video this upcoming week. We need to stop the war. What war? The war to end all wars. I'm going, Mother. You may never return. Who will I be if I stay? Diana, you are in more danger than you think. Or maybe not. Thank God, you're not dead! With PG-13. What was that? Wonder Woman. Coming home, hard copy, DVD and Blu-rays on Tuesday. Of course, that was one of the bigger and one of the better movies of the year by far. Definitely. We both dug that one. Also on September 19th on Tuesday on DVD and Blu-ray, The Big Sick, which I've been, uh, you know, endlessly touting for months now. It's my my favorite movie of the year, so I'll be excited to go buy my own copy of that. Both of those will probably be uh, available on demand, too, if you just want to rent them through They're already there. Yep. You've got no reason to have not seen The Big Sick.
sick by now. Yeah. There you go. Also uh, coming out on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, we talked about that last week. I saw it in the theater when they put it out for a week there. Bates Motel, Season 5, slash, you can also get the complete series now because that one's done, right? Yes, and uh, excellent. The final season was its best. There you go. And Season 1 of Lethal Weapon, the rebooted TV show version of Lethal Weapon starring uh, Damon Wayans, which I watched most of it last, most of that season, but not all of that season. It was. Did you give up? It was fine. Yeah, it just got to be. It was already by the end of season one, the same thing week in, week out, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So it got a bit like that. Uh, on digital HD on September 19th, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, Dead Man Tell No Tales. That's looking for second life at home because that did not do what they thought it would at the theater. And on Netflix, uh, Disney's Beauty and the Beast on Tuesday, the cartoon one, and This Is Us, season one on Wednesday. And season two of This Is Us is returning soon, not this upcoming week, but we will tell you what is coming this week for the fall television season as it continues to heat up. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett talking TV stuff now. But first, Brett, I just want to, we mentioned Tommy Wiseau. I looked it up during the break there. He does have a movie out this year with that guy, Greg. His buddy from the first movie has written a new movie. They're both starring in it. It will not be opening at a theater near you. It's called Best Friends, but the R in Friends is in brackets, so it's Best Fiends. Huh? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Says release date 2017, but yeah, you're not going to find that in a movie theater. I can't possibly imagine, but you might want to just Google best friends if you can't get enough Tommy Wiseau. Now let's have a look at what is coming to your television over the next seven days as the fall season begins to warm up. It's not the big week. I think next week and the week after that will be probably the biggest two weeks of the schedule, but there are some notable things happening this upcoming week, starting with Sunday, September 17th. Of course, the Primetime Emmy Awards are on, and we will discuss that in a little bit more depth in just a few moments. But this is something actually, Jeff, you might be interested in this because you're into the the war stuff. Yeah! On PBS, something new from Ken Burns and Ooh. Lynn Novick, a 10-part documentary, 10 years in the making. It's the Vietnam War. I think the Vietnam War drove a stake right into the heart of America. Unfortunately, we've never moved really far away from that. And we never recovered. There was no way we could avoid telling this story. Wars are so extraordinarily revealing, obviously, of the worst of humanity, but as it turns out, also the best of humanity. I think the country's ready to have the conversation we've never had about the war, which we really need to have. This film is not an answer, but a set of questions about what happened. So that is debuting on PBS, The Vietnam War, also this Sunday. Season 2 of the HBO comedy Vice Principals debuts. On Monday, September 18th, season 25 of ABC's Dancing with the Stars makes its debut. And then a new show on National Geographic called The State. So why did you come to Syria? I've come here to fight, that's it. His brother would be proud of you. Isaac, he has to go to school. Your husband. We're sending more and more children to the front line. He's not going. I decide and I want to go.
We are the Islamic State. That's right, it's about the Islamic State. The description is, the state takes a bold, unflinching approach to telling the fact-inspired stories of young ISIS recruits and offers an authentic and nuanced look inside one of the most serious global threats we face today. After a year of extensive research and interviews, Golden Globe and BAFTA Awards-winning writer and director Peter Kosminski sheds light on an unknown and unimaginable world. The two-night event series premieres Monday, September 18, and Tuesday, September 19, on National Geographic. On Wednesday, September 20th, the one-hour premiere of season two of a show we are both very excited about, The Good Place. We are back for season two of The Good Place, which is weirdly a completely different story. We're keeping everything from version one that made them miserable, adding a bunch of new stuff they'll hate. Oh, stomachache. For example, all the coffee is from those little pods. (laughs) Diabolical. NBC (laughs) in the United States uh, also airs on global TV here. And oddly enough, uh, and we didn't mention this um, a few moments ago, but it's season one debuts on Netflix on Thursday, September 21st. So you can record season two premiere on Wednesday. Yep. Watch it season one on Netflix on Thursday and then then get caught up. 13 episodes, sitcom length, four and a half hours. You can, one night you could get through that whole season. And in case you're not familiar with the premise, it's uh, Kristen, uh, what is her last name? Uh, Veronica Mars. (laughs) Yeah, is it not? It's not Stewart. No, uh, I was just thinking Stewart as well. Kristen Bell. Thank you. Yeah, because I was thinking Wig, Stewart, Bell. Um, is it Kirsten Bell? Kristen. Kristen Bell. Okay. Anyway, she dies. She goes to the good place, and which is AKA heaven. Ted Danson plays this like celestial be- being, and it's a serialized comedy. It's so imaginative. It's hilarious. And there's a, a rather interesting twist at the end, which oh, yes. is. You don't. Y- there's a there's twists throughout. That's true. There's a twist almost every episode. Yeah, but uh, the big cliff, one, the cliffhanger ending, they're a fan of. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. so much fun. Great show. Thursday, September twenty first. This is a new Canadian television show. It's on City TV. It's called Bad Blood. In the Montreal underworld, Vito Rizzuto was king. We can get a piece of all the action. We work together. We're here to place you under arrest. He knows everything your father knows, and you don't. To try to wipe out the family. The time for diplomacy is over. Tough guys end up doing 25 to life. Anybody can wave a gun. Not everybody can be trusted. Everybody we've ever killed was somebody's son, Vito. Six-part miniseries based on Montreal Mafia boss Vito Rizzuto. It stars Anthony, Anthony LaPaglia. LaPaglia or LaPaglia? Yes. I should. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Bell. Sure. <laughs> he plays Vito Rizzuto. Kim F. Coates, who was born in Saskatoon, is also in the cast. Paul Sorvino and Enrico Colantoni, who is from Toronto. So that's on Thursday. And then also on Thursday on Fox, season four of Gotham, moving from Monday to Thursday, which is such a dumb move. I don't know why Fox does this. They move some of their more successful shows into Thursday thinking it'll win and then it just kills the show. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's a, actually part of the plan. I don't know. Well, that could be. That's wicked. But yeah, when it's like, oh, here's a, because what, it's going to go up against Big Bang Theory? Probably Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Maybe Will and Grace. Yeah, stuff like that. It's just like, come on. Just, you know, it's okay for a different network to win a night. 
Yeah. Just let it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you're not going to win. Uh, put you're no. not going to win with a genre show on Thursday night. No. It's just not going to happen. So that's what's new this upcoming week. Up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the Emmys, which are on Sunday. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Stephen Colbert is hosting the Emmys, and the winner is television. Television could not be here, so I accept this Emmy on its behalf. Stephen Colbert hosts the 2017 Emmy Awards. Live Sunday, September 17th, only CBS. There you go. It's Emmy weekend, uh, as happens every September. A couple of Emmys already handed out this year, Brett. On last week, they do the Creative Arts Emmys, and then they also give out the ones for, like, guest actors. I just, so, just so they get actual actors to show up at their little shindig. Um, and <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and Dave Chappelle both won for their appearances on Saturday Night Live in the past year. Okay. Uh, and um, oh, Of course, you, Melissa McCarthy, yeah, my God. for sure. And Chappelle hosted it, and that guy had been, you know, MIA for a decade, so why not? Uh, Baldwin wasn't nominated. Maybe he's nominated for just Best Actor in a Comedy, because he was on there a lot. No. No, he's not just, he just doesn't fit in any category for them. Well, he's supporting actor. Oh, he's nominated. There he goes. Because he's not technically in the cast, right? Yeah. But he's also not really a guest because he was, he did it like 20 times in the last year. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy would pop up here and there, but Baldwin was was there almost every week. There you go. Um, And the awards for guest actor and actress in a drama went to Gerald McRaney for his work as that old doctor on This Is Us. Yeah. And Alexis Bledel, she's a Gilmore girl, but she got hers for playing... Off Glen in The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. So there we go. And we went over the snubs and misses and whatnot when the nominations came out, so we can ignore the fact right now that The Leftovers and The Good Place are not nominated, assorted other gripes. But sort of along that line, with the ever-increasing sinkhole that's the sheer number of TV shows and how it's, you know, literally impossible to watch everything that's good at this point, award shows grows kind of more meaningless each year. I mean, a lot of people have hated the Emmys and Oscars for years because of the artsy stuff that is often nominated that most people simply don't watch. But critics and losers like us who spend far too much time... <laughs> Watching as much as we can. We can't can't even get at all the good stuff anymore. It used to be we'd say, well, we can't watch everything, but that meant we could still watch everything we really wanted to, right? Yep. Yeah. But now we can't even watch everything we want to. No. I've got a list that only gets bigger, never gets smaller of stuff I want to watch, and there's just no way. Um, There may not be as much, you know, absolute top tier stuff right now as there was five years ago, but now there's this endless ocean of good to great TV out there. And like I said, we'll never get to it. Also, our predictions about the Emmys, you got to take with a huge grain of salt because we haven't seen everything, but working with what we have got, what we have seen, uh, the best drama category, the nominees are Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, House of Cards, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. And now I think it should be Better Call Saul. They had their best season yet. I'd say it's really hit its stride. It's so confident in itself. You know, year one, they may have been a little unsure about the line between comedy and drama because it was, you know, a spinoff of the funny character from a show that at its end, Breaking Bad, was deadly serious. But now it's hitting on all cylinders. This year, they added Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. The stuff with Chuck, the brother, was great. I loved how that ended. Uh, So my vote goes to Saul. I wouldn't be surprised with a This Is Us win. And even though I stopped watching halfway through the season, I wouldn't mind if that won. But bear in mind, everyone who saw the Handmaid's Tale, uh, fans and critics, they went 
ape over that. And the Crown won the Golden Globe in the spring. Now, and then there's Westworld, which has this H has the HBO clout behind it. And I've been reading this week that HBO makes up the biggest voting block in the Academy, and they change the voting rules that are sort of in favor of HBO having the numbers. So <laughs> that actually might just be enough. I mean, Westworld, I would call it the most ambitious show. Had a lot of really good things going on in it, but it also had a lot of clunky stuff. So I don't know. Um, is sort of gets the A plus for effort, but not so much for the execution. But you never know; that could win. Um, and then the best comedy. I just, the notes I wrote. Critics loved Atlanta. I watched one episode, and while that was fine, didn't grab me enough to keep going. I love the first season of Master of None. I haven't watched season two yet, but again, critics and fans love that. Blackish is popular and only seems to gain strength and word of mouth every year. Silicon Valley was good, but it's always good and it's always sort of the same every year. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt would probably get my vote because it made me laugh out loud the most. And that's what all I'm really looking for in a comedy. But Veep is nominated. It always wins. It'll win again. So those are my thoughts on the big two categories. You got any thoughts on those? Uh, looking at the drama series, I think I might agree with your assessment of Better Call Saul. It- I love that show, and I've said it before that I think it might be uh, at least I've declared it the best <clears throat> drama on television, and I really I realized that I can't make that declaration because in order to make that declaration, I have to see all the other good dramas yeah, on yeah, TV. Yeah. I have not seen The Crown. Yeah. I have not seen no, The Handmaid's Tale. I have not seen House of Cards. But Better Call Saul, from a from just a, a standpoint of television artistry, I think is. Easily the best show that I watch because it's one of the most patient shows. Mm-hmm. It'll hold the camera, and I, I've complained about this before. I, I don't understand why, so whether it's film or TV, why everybody has this aversion to just holding the shot for more than two seconds. I know. Like, just let the shot unfold. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful to watch. So <clears throat> took you hours to set it up. Might as well let it breathe. Yeah, and they do Better Call Saul does it better than any show that I watch. The acting is sensational. The writing is so good. And this is a show that I think everybody. I I, I remember I wrote it off when I first heard that they were doing this spinoff about oh, yeah. Saul. I thought, are you kidding me? Like bad idea. You're gonna ruin the legacy of Breaking Bad. But it has enriched I, it. Yeah, absolutely. I think they stand side by side for sure. Stranger Things. I could see being this like dark horse kind of uh, yeah. Cinderella, but for I don't think it has any business being nominated in this category. No, that's weird. I think that's, it's got to be like a hype vote that got that thing in there. For sure. And there's no doubt that, I mean, the, the kids did great work and it's a fun series. And I, I like when a show can galvanize excitement like that. I think it's wonderful, but I still think Stranger Things was overhyped, and I stand by that assessment. But I will also say I'm excited for season two, and I I I think This Is Us is going to win. Yeah, because it's been so long since network television has had a real winner. Like The Good Wife was always nominated, but that was that did not have yeah the the mainstream support from critics and viewers like this is us was a genuine smash hit phenomenon so i that's my prediction for winner but i agree i think better call saul should win as far as comedy let's see atlanta haven't watched it blackish haven't watched it master of none haven't watched it silicon valley haven't watched it <laughs> unbreakable kimmy schmidt haven't watched it veep the only thing the only exposure i have to veep is the clips that when you I play, play clips. yeah and uh modern family i have watched it i'm still working through the last season i'm actually really enjoying i think modern family uh, had one of its stronger seasons from what i've oh, watched really? i ditched it this year finally it, no it's it's been really good this year yeah. but uh 
Oh, and I so said I Veep can't... always wins, but Modern Family's the one that always wins that one, right? Until uh, last year, Veep won last year. Uh, yeah, and it might have Modern Family, I think, won four or five in a row. Yeah, I think last year was the first time they didn't. Yeah, it was. I think they were. I think last year was like season seven. Oh, so I, maybe I, two years that Veep. Yeah, won. I think they won at least four in a row, maybe five. Between them and Veep, that's the only thing that's won comedy in forever. Like I honestly can't even remember what won before Modern Family. Well, Veep is probably going to win. And do you think? Well, let's just jump ahead very mo- quickly here well, to yeah, uh, comedy the, actress, the Julie Louis Dreyfus, because she has definitely won like twenty Emmys. Yeah, she might have. Did she won five the last five in a row? I'm pretty Veep, sure four or five. It's been like that. She'll probably win again. I've read. Th- I was. I've been reading this week, and uh, I don't recall this, but I guess in years and even decades past, like uh, Murphy Brown, Candace Bergen, she went on a similar tear. She won all the time to the point where she took her name off the ballot. Really? She just said, you know what? Don't even nominate me. I've got enough of these things. Let someone else have a turn. Wow. Yeah, because I guess, you know, after five, they start, there's just one more damn thing I have to dust at home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's getting boring watching Julia Louis-Dreyfus win all the time. Yeah, I, uh, But she does, I mean, she is probably, she will go down in history like with Lucille Ball as the best comedic actress of all time. Because she's won Emmys for three different shows. Yep. That's unheard of. Seinfeld and uh, the new Adventures of Old, Old Christine. Christine. Yeah, which wasn't a great show, but she's, you know, she's great in everything she does. So. Yeah. Okay, uh, we have uh, 60 seconds left here. What are the Carrie Coon from Fargo, limited series. Fargo? Fargo. Carrie Coon should win that Best Actress Award in the limited series. Uh, she was great in Fargo. She was better in The Leftovers. Didn't get nominated for The Leftovers, but she had two fantastic starring turns this year. And uh, of as far as award show sins, it's a sin if she goes home empty-handed. Okay. And indeed, Alec Baldwin nominated for a supporting actor in a comedy series. Last year, I believe Louis Anderson won that award yep. for Baskets. Right-o. I would surmise that Alec Baldwin is a lock for that. Is that... He would have to be. It would yeah. be weird if he didn't. It would be a huge upset, I think, if he does not win that. It's the most talked about TV performance all year, except for real Donald Trump. Yeah, and then uh, to a lesser extent, Melissa McCarthy as Sean Spicer. That is all the time we have. We'll see if our predictions... Hold true this weekend. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.